How about now? Check. There we go. Woo. All right. Let's get started here. And uh, well, what is that? I got some of you. Made you look. I know it's too early for that kind of thing, isn't it? Um, but I want to actually, what'd you do there? Those of you who turned around and looked, most of you are waking up, by the way. I'm not really sure I trust you in an early morning crisis situation. What'd you do when you did? You just, you just kind of turned around and looked, right? When I did that. Um, you, you didn't stop to pray about it. You know, I didn't see anybody sort of in a meditative mode about whether they should turn around and look. None of you picked up your Bibles to see if it was the biblically right thing to do. You all just kind of looked quickly, you know. It was like second nature. Nothing wrong with that. But, uh, but store that away for a second um, because we're going to come back to it. But first, let me just open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Father, thank you, Lord, for this time for us to gather together to... Uh, to study your word, to study what you have us do, to study your disciplines, Lord, and to, um, to really turn to you and, and the Holy Spirit to help us lead godly lives, Father. I pray that uh, you'd send your spirit to dwell with us, that he would um, lead us tonight, I mean this morning, in this uh, discussion. And, and Lord, let us, um, let us not at all be here to impress, but rather to impart. Bless our discussions this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Dallas is really big on application. If you haven't got that by now, the application, application, application. So I'm just going to get that out of the way. Uh, let me see if I go the right direction. All right, there's part of your application. Good enough? Uh, okay, and of course, pray. We're done. See, I told you to be fast. Um, no, I, I actually, uh, I did put on your handouts some of what... Um, Richard Foster puts his book, um, Celebrating Discipline, which is the one we're working from, uh, some um, practical advice he has for uh, fasting. I'm not really necessarily all of that. He's got a seven-day fast in there he recommends. He's got some people who do it for, or he, part of the book says go up to 21 days, but then if you start to starve, you know, it'd be a good time to stop. If you guys don't fast for seven days, I'm not going to judge you. Um, but I, I wanted to give you something there. Um, in terms of a little more practical advice from his book, and you can take that with you. You can read it at your leisure. You can throw it away. Um, but, but what I want to focus on today a little more is why do we fast? What's the purpose of it? And also a little bit on how not to fast. Uh, why do we fast? I mean, that's, that was a question for me, um, and I don't know if any of you all struggle with it. By the way, do you, do you all fast regularly? Anybody? Oh, I tried to trick you, you see. You've been reading your book. We're going to get to Matthew later about how we don't tell anybody about fasting, right? Um, either that, either that, or y'all don't fast. And um, frankly, I don't enough. I don't enough, and I think I could do it a lot more, I've realized. Um, so what is fasting? Why, why do we do it? Um, well, there's different things we call fasting. You know, today in our culture, we talk about dieting, fasting to lose weight. We don't do it for that reason, right? Okay. Uh, in fact, I was thinking about the polar opposite of fasting, if you think about it. Why? When you diet, what do you depend on? Yeah, you're, what do we got? I've got to build up my willpower, right? Myself, my willpower. I've got to persevere. I'm going to get through this diet, and I'm going to lose 10 pounds and then gain it back the next week. Right? 
Um, we got fasting, you know, you have social fasting. You got people who fast to, for social protest, but that, again, still makes it about the person fasting. And then you got biblical fasting, which as we explore today, we're going to find isn't about us, obviously, but about God. Okay, so um, Foster talks about primary reasons and secondary reasons. I thought this was a pretty good structure um, to talk about fasting. Uh, and he talks about primary reasons um, that we should consider above all for fasting. And the first, of course, is uh, worshiping God. If you look at Luke uh, chapter 2, 36 through 7, we're talking about the prophetess Anna, and, and it says, she never left the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. What a beautiful example she is of just a, a life given to devote, devout worship of God. And a and, and big part of that is fasting and prayer. Okay, and, and, and I may stumble every now and then and say fasting alone. Don't, please just in your own mind, add prayer to that. It's fasting and prayer. They go together. Um, Foster says, you know, to use good things to our own ends is always a sign of false religion. I, that, that stood out to me. And I think he's absolutely right there. I thought, um, you know, fasting is like so many things in, in our worship of God. If any of you all were at the men's breakfast uh, a couple weeks ago, I think Darren did a great job of showing us how worship is more than singing. That's a huge part of it, but it's kind of the way we live our lives. And fasting fits into that paradigm. Fasting is part of kind of what we do. It's, it's kind of the way that one of the ways in which we honor God through fasting and prayer. So primary purpose is, is, um, is that. Now, secondary purpose, some of you may say, well, shouldn't we also do it because the Bible commands us to do it? Well, if you're living in Moses' day on the Day of Atonement, maybe. But you're not going to find fasting as a commandment in the, in the New Testament. But what you'll find, what you'll find as we, we get down further, we'll talk about Matthew 16. Jesus says, when you fast, okay, which tells me that Jesus has an expectation we will fast. So I'm going to let you do with that what you want. If you want to say it's not a commandment, so I'm not going to worry about it. But I kind of liken it to, um, if my wife says to me, when you're planning our trip on our anniversary, you know, that means I'm going away for our anniversary, right? For those of you who are married, or, or, or when your mom would say, when you clean up your room, or whatever, you're, you know, you see what I mean. So, 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 yeah, we worship God with it, and yes, we, we also probably should be treating it like something Jesus expects. But what I want to get into are some of the secondary reasons, um, and one in particular, um, because I think uh, I found particularly uh, compelling um, for us as we struggle oftentimes as men in life, uh, but there's a couple of reasons. We, we've got um, fasting. Uh, the Bible tells us about fasting in times of mourning. First Samuel um, 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, talks, of, it's, uh, talks about Hannah, who mourned and fasted because the Lord had closed her womb. She could have no sons. So she learned, learned to, 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 to turn to the Lord in fasting. And we see this throughout the Bible. Another, another type of fasting is in repentance. In fact, open up your Bibles to Joel 2 you'd like, or I'll just read it to you. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. So in times of repentance, um, fasting is, is, an, is a discipline that, that is undertaken, and we should, we should consider that. And, and then there's decision-making, of course. It's another, another reason why we want to fast, is when we have a, a big decision on our, on, our, um, on our minds and on our hearts, and this, again, is biblical. You'll see it in Acts 13.2 um, with Barnabas in 14.23, uh, you know, the disciples fasted 
in times of decision. They, they fasted so that um, they would be in communion with God through this discipline so that he would educate their decision. So, so th- those, are, those are some of the reasons, and, and there's others. But what I want to focus on is the reason... Um, or, uh, sorry, the reason that we see when we first see Jesus fast. We first see the interaction of our Lord and Savior and this discipline of fasting. Um, so if you'll open up to Matthew 4, chapter 1, I'm sure you see this coming. Um, Jesus is about to be tempted. And fasting is what the, Lord, is what the Holy Spirit leads him to. To do in preparation for it. He says, uh, and I'm reading from the NASB here, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, we were, we've actually were looking at, at, at this verse in the context of Hebrews, just in, in Michael's class this Sunday, talking about this time. And, 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 and can Jesus um, really be tempted if he's incapable of sin? And we could have a whole discussion on kenosis and all that other stuff. We're not going to. Um, but he was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted. Uh, and more importantly, he became hungry. Jesus was fully human. Jesus felt exactly what we feel. He wasn't exempt from anything we were exempt from, you know, just be, you know, because of his Godhead. In fact, um, Hebrews 2, 5, uh, 5 talks about the, this, um, 5 through 18. And I'll, and I'll just read this, the last part of this. Therefore, since children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those uh, through fear of death that were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give, up, uh, give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Adam. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For he himself was tempted in that he which he has suffered, he is able to come to the uh, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So, for, for since he was tempted, he is able to come to our aid. Jesus provides for us. Uh, if we go back to Matthew four, in my estimation, an example, a model for how we deal with temptation, as we read out the rest of that verse, and he says, "What man?" Man should just turn stones into bread? 40 days, wouldn't you? By the way, would that be a sin? Would it be a sin for Jesus to turn a stone into bread? I don't think so. He wasn't bowing to the devil to do that. Okay? I would have been. I would have been like, well, maybe I could just take that little rock and make a muffin out of it or something. I'm starving, right? Um, Jesus didn't do that. He gave us a model to basically say, No. Man shall not live on bread alone, but of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in his temptation, he puts himself in a subject. He, man, imagine how hungry he must have been 40 days without food. And even there, he says, even in this state, I will um, honor God. 
I will turn things all over to God. I will draw my power from God, not from this world, and not from anything that you have to offer Satan. Uh, so we really are. We are to take it back to him. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 10 Uh, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Keep that in mind. um, Because we are, as Jesus showed us, in his first example of temptation, we are, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare which, for which these disciplines are given to us uh, to be able to, to draw on God to claim the victory we already have in Christ. Um, so, that seems like a rabbit trail. It's not. Think about this. I said this morning, hey, what's, what's that, you know, axe murder coming in the back? And I'll, some of you guys turn. Um, <laughs> Maybe if I had said axe murder, that would have been more effective. Um, but you turned like that. You didn't think about it. That was your second nature, right? Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Glad, you, glad some of you did. Um, um, you know, it'd be important. You're not going to, you know, you, you don't expect to, to, to take everything to prayer in God. You know, when the guy in front of you cuts you off, you swerve to get out of the way. You're not going to take a moment to pray about that. That's your second nature. It's the way God wired us. It's a good thing. I submit to you, though, that your sin nature is a lot like your second nature. Um, and that is one important facet of, uh, of fasting that I, I find particularly helpful, is that it reminds us of what we do not control about our own very natures. And none of you are exempt, and I'm not exempt, and none of us will be exempt until the day we are glorified. We've got to live with this old man inside. Um, so, what fasting does is it awakens you when you feel that craving in your stomach, right? Because the stomach craves, the stomach desires, the stomach wants to grab. The st- as soon as the stomach needs, the stomach wants. The stomach's like a spoiled child, Foster says. Well, so are our brains. They can be like, for, like, for, like a spoiled child, and they just... Um, they, cry, they crave and crave and crave, and, and, and instantly, even if you've been going to church for 40 years and, and, and you get up every day and you study the Bible, there's going to be parts of your life where you're going to, like that, do one of those things that Paul lists in Galatians 5 without thinking about it. Fasting helps you to, helps me to understand how my sin nature works so that I can be in a better position to say, Lord, I'm going to turn this to you. I'm going to take this thought. I'm going to take this moment captive for Christ. Um, take a look for a second, just to close out this thought, uh, at Romans 7, because this is really where it's all laid out. Let me see if I can find Romans 7 here. So... You all probably know this quite well. Um, Paul says that, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand, and for, uh, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So 
No longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. And he goes on to call himself, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? We all have that, that nature. And uh, the law couldn't keep it down. In fact, as Paul says, the law helped it to grow. Is the law a bad thing? Of course it's not a bad thing. But where the law increased, the sin increased. But where sin increased, what else increases? Grace. Amen. So if we look at chapter 8, we see that Paul basically is saying, you know, this isn't something we overcome ourselves only by the power of the Holy Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of, of Christ, do not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. What fasting does for me is reality. That there's a part of me that is always going to crave the things of this world. It's called my stomach. But it's also called my brain. And men... We all are going to struggle with this in different ways. For some people, it's going to be going across, you know, on the computer at the wrong time, seeing the wrong thing. Maybe it's a bottle. Maybe it's a thing of pills. Or maybe it's just a little bit of anger, a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy. It's going to be those things that we just go to. Second nature, sin nature, just like that. Fasting, if you're struggling with any of those things, I'd say fast. Not just that, obviously. If you, sh- if you have a decision you need to make in your life, take a day and fast and pray. Okay, if you're having a struggle, if you're mourning, take a day and fast and pray. Remember that the Lord who made you, loves you, cares about you, dwells within you, has, sends his spirit to counsel you, and this is a constant way to remember that. All right, so I'm just going to close really quickly because I also want to touch, as I said, on... Um, how not to fast. I mentioned Matthew 6, 16 through 17 earlier, where we said, when you fast. And, and, uh, and Jesus says, when you fast, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face. I'm looking at um, Matthew 6, 16. Uh, do not put on a gloomy face as hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they will have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be introduced, uh, will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I actually think, you know, if we look, he also talks about prayer um, and, and um, how we are supposed to go about prayer and humility. And I actually think this, this is good advice for all of these disciplines. It's not about you. I don't know if you guys have ever been in, in, a, in a prayer session with, like, a, a prayer preacher. 
you know, and you start to pray, and then 45 minutes later and 111 verses later, like, you know, they're finished, and, and, and you get this feeling like, I'm really impressed by their biblical knowledge, but God knew all that. Um, same here with fasting. It's, it's, it's a personal thing. And the minute that we put the light on us, where does it go? Away from, it goes away from God. Um, the other thing I want to just mention quickly uh, or, or look at quickly is Isaiah 58. Um, and, and let me just read this because this is, um, to me, such a beautiful, um, a beautiful passage. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways as a nation has not, uh, that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice uh, heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it borrowing one's head like a reed and for the spreading of the sackcloth and the ashes as a bed? Will you call this a feast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not the fast which I chose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into the house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I take from Isaiah 58 one more thing about fasting, um, and that is it ought to bear fruit in your life. Like all of the disciplines, you need to see change. You need to see an outward manifestation of the Spirit working through you, and that's a good way to look at whether I'm fasting or I'm dieting. Um, so let me just get us to our questions and get off this up here. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, you have your questions. This is my fault. I prepared my own slides. I apologize. Um, I thought I had them up there. I'll check it in a second. You have some discussion questions there on, your, on the bottom of your, um, your pages, though. So, um, uh, and I can't actually remember exactly what I said, so I'm going to let you all go through them. But I know it had to do with exploring um, what fasting means in your life, whether you fast and what it did for you. Uh, so, so take a moment to talk about those. And Oh, thank you, Mr. LaGrasso. Okay. If you have fasted before, share your experience with the group. How did it impact your faith, your outlook, your relationship with God? Uh, and what would you do differently? What do you see as some of the biggest barriers to fasting? How do we overcome them? And then uh, discuss biblical fasting and how it compares to other types of fasts we see in our culture and our world. Let me just close us in prayer and we'll continue on. Father God, it is a privilege again to come before you, Lord. Um, we can come before you. There are people in the world we can't even come before so easily, and yet we can come before you, creator and maker of all things, what a privilege, Lord, that you would love us in that way, God. Please be with us now as we explore um, your disciplines, Lord, and be with us for this whole series uh, as we learn how to draw closer to you. Bless these men this morning, Lord. Walk with them as they go out from here. Um, 
care for them, wrap a hedge of protection around them and their families. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.